This is the second log and the second half of the introduction to my study on The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Welcome to the Lore Research Lab. Let's test the waters a little. So I don't want to rant about the history of the franchise for too long, so I'm just going to cover some general facts. The franchise began in the 80s, a couple years or so after the Mario franchise started, and we know that, I think it is common knowledge that Nintendo has just, the brand has become so humongous over time. It's, there are some seminal games that did really well between those two franchises, I'd say in particular, and then you also had the release of franchises like Pokemon in 1996. The 90s was a good year for Nintendo, I'm gonna say. And in terms of the Legend of Zelda franchise, I believe it was 97 or 98 that we saw the Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, which is a pretty solid turning point in the franchise. I believe the popularity of it just kind of rose, and because it got remade in 2012, it's a personal favorite of mine, because I never had the chance to play the original game. That's, that's just a side note. Um, other notable games include Twilight Princess in 2006, we got, which got reissued for the Wii U when the Wii U was still a thing, and Skyward Sword in 2011. And just as a side note, Skyward Sword is going to come up kind of often in my discussions because Nintendo, I believe, or at least the creators of Legend of Zelda have explicitly stated that the storyline and the lore that appears in that game is supposed to be kind of like the origin of everything. So it's the beginning of all universes that we see across the franchise, even though it came out in, you know, 2011. But now we make our way closer to the present, come 2017, uh, and we got Breath of the Wild in March. So Breath of the Wild was released at the same time as the Nintendo Switch, and we know that that game and that console are bestsellers now, they continue to be sold across the board. Of course the Switch, we can understand, it's a console that sells many games, but Breath of the Wild still continues to have lots of sales. It generated so much popularity at the time of its release, and this is obviously, it sounds like a little bit of a digression, but these are facts I, I think are kind of helpful when trying to inform people about what the big fuss about this game is, is that for me it's one of my personal favorites, and I know a lot of people, a lot of other people could attest to that. There were huge stakes attached to the release of this game because it was going to be released with the new console, so the controls had to all sync up. The They had hundreds of developers come in to work on the game to perfect it, which is why it was in development for so long. And, uh, you know, if this, if this game didn't do well, it could have marked the beginning of the end for the Nintendo Switch. The Wii U didn't, I think, have as many sales as Nintendo would have wanted. So the Switch, there was a lot kind of riding on it because it's all, it's all business at the end of the day. But the key with Breath of the Wild is that years were spent making it so that way it would be perfected. But even though that perfection aspect is there, lots of risks were being taken because there was new gameplay formulas they were gonna implement. The graphics, the way that it looks, the way that the game looks is completely different this is very important, completely different from basically any game that's come before it. Games like Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword were made for the Wii, so they were a bit more expansive in their universes, the graphics were a little bit better because it wasn't on a tiny, you know, DS screen or whatever, for example. 
Um, but the Switch was going to have both compatibilities, right? This, the, you can have the handheld and you can have the TV, and Breath of the Wild needs to look good on both. So taking all things into consideration, there was a lot of time, work, things put into it to make it look good, and we all know it sold well. Uh, despite all the, the risks that they t you know, the changing the formulas, going a, um, against those kind of notions we'd have about those kind of risks. High risk, high reward, I say. And, you know, now I'm gonna just briefly describe the main story of Breath of the Wild. Uh, it might be kind of spoilerish, may not be, but there are some details I'm gonna leave out just for the sake of time. Yu's player are Link, an amnesiac who's awoken by a strange but familiar voice in this location called the Shrine of Resurrection. That, that should indicate something about your current state of being. A hundred years have passed since an event known as the Great Calamity took place, where you as the player, or Link I should say, supposedly died. Obviously you haven't. Zelda, the princess, is currently trapped in the castle, infested by an injurious substance known as Malice. So this substance is a kind of evil magic that allowed the game's villain, Calamity Ganon, to swiftly overtake the land in, you know, 100, 100 years ago. Um, at the beginning of the game, players learn that Zelda, even after 100 years, is keeping Ganon at bay, preventing him from spreading his terror to the rest of the land. So like you, Zelda's still alive, but that doesn't mean people didn't die along the way. There were a lot of very important people that died 100 years ago. It's like you and Zelda are kind of the only main characters that are left from that event. Um, so you as a player, your main objective is to destroy Ganon. That's, that's, kind of, that's kind of it. Destroy Ganon, freeing Zelda, and bringing peacetime to the realm. That is the skeleton of the main story, and there are other details I have omitted for the sake of time. All you need to know right now is that even though this objective of destroying Ganon, uh, that, is, that is your main goal, there's no true sense of urgency in this game, in the sense that you can take however long you want to complete that final main quest because beating that quest means beating the game so there's it's, it's like well okay so if you do that you beat the game fun fact you could actually straight up from where you start in the game after you finish the kind of semi tutorial phase if you will you could go straight from that to Hyrule Castle, where Ganon's located, you could go straight there and you could go fight him if you wanted to. The game is not gonna stop you from doing that, which is wild, okay? Um, but because there's the content of the game is so rich, your Breath of the Wild, the wild, it's so expansive. Um, there's just so much, so much to do. There are a couple other main quests that substantiate story elements you only receive fragments of and also elaborate on what's told to you at the beginning of the game. Um, these main quests aren't actually necessary to beating the game, but uh, they definitely help if you want to add to the experience. So, as I've mentioned, there's so much to do in this game. It's no understatement that I say that. You know, you can do things like dying armor sets, because you can get variety, like different kinds of armor sets that heighten certain abilities or give you resistance to stuff. You can get different kinds of weapons. You can hold a bunch of fireflies and give it to a lady because she really likes fireflies. You can climb anything, stand atop any mountain, cook any kind of meal, whether it's dubious meals, which is just this gross combination of stuff, or you can make like the most fantastic meals. Like it looks so tasty sometimes, you know? The list goes on, really. And this is uh, another kind of funny thing. 
The game tells you what to do, not how to do it, and that's the beauty of it. There's so much creativity in the controls because the way that you know people can either battle, the way uh, people can come up with recipes, the way that people can circumvent any kind of imminent danger, there's so many different ways to do it. You're, you're taught the controls, but the way you, you figure out how to do things, totally up to you. It's so free so open, and because the story is only told through certain character interactions and quests, it's up to you to learn the truth of what happened a hundred years ago, how um, Link can recover his memories, because there is a quest specifically um, delegated to having Link go to places to remember stuff that he doesn't have anymore, and lore that extends beyond the, like, beyond the events of the main story. So that includes a very pivotal myth from 10,000 years ago, and pieces of a distant past. You'll see ruins, you'll talk to certain people, and you're gonna get kind of tidbits of history that precede even the 10,000 years ago myth. So right now, I'm just gonna spitball some names, and you're free to look up these names on your own time. These are names and characters, kind of terms to keep in mind. They come specifically from Breath of the Wild. So for names and characters from other games, I will explain them in the appropriate episodes. I believe Link and Zelda are givens, they're your hero and the princess, I don't think I need to go any further. So now I'll explain, uh, and I'll explain the, the following names and terms in a bit more detail as the episodes continue on, so let's go, rapid fire. King Rome Bosphoramus Hyrule, Calamity Ganon, the champions Mipha, Daruk, Rivali, and Urbosa, Sidon, Unobo, Teba, and Riju. Divine Beasts Varuta, Varudania, Vameadow, and Vanaboris. The Goddess Hylia, the Sheikah, Guardians, and finally, Cass. These are all really important names, and you're gonna hear them come up a lot in the content, so be prepared for that. And I believe this concludes the Lore Research Lab's introduction on The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Thanks for tuning in, folks, and I'll see you next episode.